0: Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I hate this episode so much. I feel like I'm Picard right now with this why are there fucking kids on the fucking starship? Like, I want to do real adult sci-fi shit. I'm vetoing the episode, then. <laughs> Wait, are you are you really seriously trying to veto right now? Yeah, I am. You were unprepared for this, weren't you? I, I'm
1: never prepared when you try and veto. I kind of like this episode.
0: I dislike this episode so much that I don't know that I've seen it in a very, very, very long time.
1: So. Well, then you've made my decision for me, Adam. Counter veto. I think you should give it a second chance. And I think that that second chance should come at the cost of you ruining a, another season. For I really,
0: I really hate that I talked to you into the counter veto. I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> That's some bullshit right there. And now the conclusion.
1: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. <laughs> Captain
0: of the U.S.S. Enterprise Captain Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. U.S. Enterprise Welcome to the greatest generation. Thank a Star Trek, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Thank especially today. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts Adam Pranica.
1: I'm your other host, Benjamin Harrison.
0: Adam, what
1: is happening?
0: I want to read to you a quote <laughs> about today's episode, and I just want to see, see how that lives in the room. Quote begins, When Michael Piller bought the premise, I thought he was completely insane. And a way, team rematerializes on the transporter as children with adult minds. I tried again and again to bury this idea, which of course meant that I would get saddled with the inevitable rewrite when the script came in. (laughs) I just thought it was a ludicrous idea and wanted nothing to do with it. (laughs) That was Ronald D. Moore, Ben, Uh about about today's episode. Like the last line of defense between (laughs) the script and production. He could have stopped this whole thing, and I'm sorry he didn't. I had
1: a conversation with a good friend of ours about how hard it is to really put things on the line at work. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of people that, uh, there's a lot of mediocrity in the workplace because people don't rock the boat for fear of their job, so you wind up with a lot of people that don't, you know, have much passion about what they're doing because if they did, it would be dangerous to their employment.
0: Right. Yeah, isn't it interesting how much of that you have to suspend to to stay employable?
1: Yeah. And uh I mean, I don't, you know, that's headcanon, that that's what's at play here, but uh
0: that's that's pretty germane to our times too. Like I, yeah. I think uh you know, by the time this comes out, the whole Pepsi advertisement debacle will be many weeks past. Let's invite Kendall to set! She has a heart out in 45 seconds! There's someone in that production timeline that could step out and say, no, but it's this, it's the same thing you just described, is that to be the person that says this is a bad idea often sees that as a career-limiting move. And so they would rather see the train wreck happen than attempt to stop it.
1: Right. I mean... Alternatively, they would be open to seeing if a weird idea works because often weird ideas do work on this show
0: Yeah, well, maybe we should begin discussing whether or not this one does, Ben <laughs>
1: Alright, it, I was worried that you had totally prejudged the episode, but uh, I mean, you attempted to
0: prejudge it, but I put a stop to that, Adam You always do <laughs> Ben, it's an episode that might as well be a cry for help. (laughs) It's season six, episode seven. (laughs) Rascals. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain,
1: sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. We start this episode in a bunk bed that is coming back from... Is this a previa or a bunk bed? Or is it the new, like, in-between guy?
0: It can't be a bunk bed because bunk beds only seat two. Oh yeah. And this has got like, it's got the the forward cabin and then some command chairs in the back. It's sort of a, it's sort of like a van, on the inside.
1: It's a little bit Winnebago-y on the inside. It's yeah, like got some some room to move around. There's like a galley kitchen. There's a, yeah. a
0: sink that you don't want to drink the water out of? No, no, yeah. That, that's some gross water in there. Yeah,
1: there's a uh, a composting toilet.
0: <laughs> it always just smells a little bit wet.
1: Yeah, there's there's not really a way to manage the, the air inside this place.
0: If you were to choose four more mismatched people for a road trip, <laughs> I don't know that you could choose... Any worse than these four. It's Picard, Roe, Keiko, and Guinan. I feel like Picard
1: and Guinan could do like a barbecue tour of uh, the southeastern United States together.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, they should take a separate shuttle.
1: Yeah, but but Picard and Roe is always going to be awkward.
0: Why would Roe want to be with these people?
1: Keiko is, uh, is here, and uh, it's just very unusual to see her not fighting with chief o'brien so we don't quite know what to do with her character yet
0: oh i know what to do with her character alien tweet it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not too late to blow her out the hatch
1: (laughs) uh so they're coming back from a, a conference right
0: before we even begin like i want to headcanon the the invitations to these people. Like, <laughs> you got to imagine Picard and Guinan are first, and they're talking it over, and then, and then Keiko overhears them or something, and they can't get rid of her. <laughs> you,
1: who? Yeah. What's the? What was the event? It was like a. It was a conference, right?
0: <laughs> you have to. Uh, excuse me, I'm drinking just extremely hot whiskey. <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> I with you am sort of getting off of the beers. Yeah, on this show it makes you too for, burpy. Uh, it's it it for, means uh,
1: it means a lot of edi- extra editing.
0: Right. So now, uh, I thought as extra punishment, I would <laughs> just go room temperature rye whiskey. Ooh. Because I hate myself.
1: <laughs> well, uh, that should make for an interesting episode, Adam.
0: Yeah, I don't even think that
1: they were at a conference. I think that. I think that they were all there for kind of different purposes, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe, maybe what happened is that is that thing that sometimes happens in school, where like you you bring an idea to the teacher, and the teacher like opens it up to the room, and you wind up getting stuck with a group project that you never never planned for because the wrong three hands shot up. <laughs> that sounds great. You know, it's like it's like like you were you were just like asking a question. About uh, about something in history class And now you have three remedial students Who need some extra credit to, to pass the class Doing a group project with you
0: The hierarchy here is really strange too Because like Keiko is not in the same league as these three <laughs> At all This is like putting Mott in the shuttlecraft <laughs> What is she doing there?
1: Yeah uh, uh... I can imagine, like, on her lap. I mean, she's
0: Brian, like, sheepishly asking Gaien if she can hang out with his wife, like, because she can't make friends on her own. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, we joke about women often becoming potted plants on this show. I think that Keiko is almost literally only here because of potted plants. Right. Like, like these plants wind up being a plot beat. And maybe that's it. (laughs) Maybe that's why she's there.
0: The writers are like, oh, you're complaining about a lack of female characters. Well, here's every single one of them. And and
1: here's here's the captain with a duffel bag full of broken terracotta. Look at these fragments. Just to really drive the point home.
0: Witness how we diminish them further. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Look on my works, you mighty <laughs> So uh, they are They're just bo- just about back at the entrepreneur When they get word that there's an emergency On some other planet And they're like, alright, well uh, like, Get the engine warmed up and, uh, and punch it the second we're aboard And just then They swerve off the road into a space butthole
0: We're caught in some sort of energy field As you do, I mean, they started hitting the rumble strip, and then before they knew it, (laughs) they were right in there.
1: Yeah, and um, it's like it's one of those uh, tense, but not tense, because we've done it fifty times now. Are we going to get them out of the shuttle in time? And uh, and the uh, you know they throw the the transporter into gear. The, uh, the shuttle explode, and they materialize on the pad. But just before they materialize, O'Brien is radioing up to the bridge that...
0: There's a 40% drop in mass. I may have lost one of them. But instead, what O'Brien's done is beamed aboard four children in their place.
1: I know! It's cute, right?
0: With slightly ill-fitting child-size uniforms. Not terribly ill-fitting, though. Not at all. Not as ill-fitting as they should be, Actually. I they should like be puddling in these clothes.
1: Rose's sleeves are like way longer than her arms, but like the rest of it is like it like fits her, right?
0: Yeah, I, I mean too well is is my point.
1: Yeah, because like, if it if if they got de-aged, it doesn't make any sense that something would happen to their clothes. Also, you know, like Hulk's, yeah. hulk's clothes don't grow when he get when he hulks out,
0: except. Like, later on, when they study the broken shuttlecraft, they find all of the materials, like, delaminated and, like, turned into their component parts, so they really should be beamed onto the shuttle pad in some form of gross undress.
1: (laughs) Well, thankfully they didn't make that decision.
0: The look on O'Brien's face here is the I've-made-a-terrible-mistake face. Yeah. Like, it seems momentarily that this is his fault.
1: Yeah, he's got the the look of someone who knows what they did.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: like like Maybe uh, it is his
1: fault and he just knows more about transporters than anybody else, so he can like make them all believe that it was a it was something beyond his control.
0: That's that's exactly where I was going, which is like, this has always been about Keiko. It's just unfortunate that there was some collateral damage and it happened to be Roe and Picard and Guinan. Like, he wishes it didn't go down this way.
1: Yeah.
0: They show up in Six
1: Bay and they're getting scanned and the doctor's like...
0: Their DNA structure is now consistent with those of pre-adolescence. But as far as we can tell, only their bodies were changed. At least
1: that's okay. And and the captain uh, and I think that this is the same kid. Is this the same kid that played Renee? It is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Real uh, Harry Potterish. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The young captain in his uh, Oshkosh Bagosh Starfleet uniform, like, hops off the bio bed and he's like, "I'm going to work." (laughs) You've obviously got a lot of science to do, you can do it on these three. I'm going to work.
0: You gotta go higher, Ben. Higher. I'm going to work. TO Grey Hot <laughs> Number One. <laughs> What's the status of the
1: engine efficiency?
0: <laughs> Mr. Dater. <laughs> I sure hope we don't run into any Ferengis on this mission. Everyone's looking at each other like, you can't be serious, right? <laughs> Everyone who's not been rascalized. Yeah. They've just been rascal. Everyone who's not been rascalized, <laughs> like, is looking at each other and they're like, you can't be fucking serious, right? Yeah. And Baby Picard <laughs> is the only one who is like, in complete denial about the situation Entirely he is ready to go To work
1: right and he like he starts In on the bridge like, like Everybody is going to take this Take this in stride Which is uh, You know He's
0: acting like he's been injured instead of mutilated <laughs> Which is more like what happened
1: And so he just he, come, he Comes onto the bridge and starts barking orders Like
0: put it in war bait <laughs> Let's get
1: out Of here pip pip cheerio (laughs) mr wolf (laughs) fire phases (laughs) and and they're all just like what the fuck
0: yeah yeah and
1: so the doctor pops onto the bridge and she's like hey cap uh (laughs) I, i know you're busy explaining that you're the real captain and everybody should just behave as normal but uh Let's uh, let's have a quick private chat in your in your ready room, and uh, and she's like, dude, <laughs> whether or not this is traumatic for you, like we don't really know the half of what happened, and if you start dumbing up like a kid, uh, we're in big trouble if you're still in command. So maybe
0: we can't afford to have you pee your pants on the bridge. <laughs> I've been out of diapers for six years. <laughs> So much of this doesn't make sense, Ben. Like, a prepubescent brain pan is physically smaller than an adult's (laughs) brain pan. So there's no reason why they should be as intelligent as their adult counterparts. Like, they should be compromised mentally right off the bat, shouldn't they? Hey,
1: man, there's a lot that we don't know about brain science or transporter science. I'm willing to let that one slide. All right. (laughs) All right. Um but yeah so so the doctor talks some sense into Picard and and he sees the he sees the fact that uh that this is like you know potentially just the first step so he walks it's very a very adult decision for this little fella he walks out onto the bridge and says come on to Riker
0: I'm ready to make adult decisions <laughs> Take command. I'm going to go take a nap now. <laughs> take
1: command in my place, <laughs> and please send down that recipe for
0: warm milk. <laughs> yeah, and like of all pe- like people aren't used to calling him captain. For some reason, Data can't get it straight. Yeah. Like Data's all squicked out about him too. <laughs> Like you should be able to tell Data something once and it sticks, mm-hmm. but he's even having a hard time. Not not calling him sir. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, um, you know, Data's pathways get used to somebody, and they right. He he misses them when they're not there. So,
0: Mister Dater, <laughs> call me sir.
1: <laughs> Captain, will you be sleeping in your bed or at the in the trunk at the
0: foot of it? <laughs> uh, From here we do some uh some around the horse. Yeah, there's we do some vignettes with the with the with the kiddified crew people. There
1: is a solid like fifteen minutes of fun and games with the different kiddified characters. It's uh it's Keiko trying to be a mother and have a moment of of uh marital intimacy with with O'Brien and he's like get the fuck off of me this is fucking terrifying I don't like it I don't like it one bit
0: as dumb as Keiko has been written from the start this is the dumbest she's ever been (laughs) like for some reason she doesn't recognize that she reads as 12 years old yeah like how could you not know that
1: (laughs) it just happened like when she starts cuddling up on him like I guess I understand, like, the, you know, like, she's going through something, so she wants a hug. Anybody would. But, like, yeah, she acts, like, completely shocked when <laughs> when he is having a tough time dealing with it.
0: There is some great nonverbal acting by Kalamini in this scene. Yeah. Like, he is just so physically uncomfortable. <laughs> and... Like, again, I wish they made a slightly different choice with him because all you see is his discomfort, but you don't necessarily see his guilt. And I would have loved to see just even a little bit on that side from that perspective out of him of like, oh, my God, like, what have I done?
1: What did you think about the fact that he was also a little... Unable to wrap his mind around this being Keiko, like when she gets the drink and he, he likes tells her it's hot as though she's a small child.
0: I think they, I think they're doing that thing where they're not, they're not completely there when they're with each other, and I think this is a pattern of behavior they've had <laughs> from the start. Like, uh, like Keiko is not thinking when she puts her her arm around him because she is. She is sort of uh, a burlesque of a wife, in the same way that that Chief O'Brien like looks at her as a child because, because he's not really there. He's never really there when he's with her, so he's not he's not mindful enough to put it together that that's Keiko, and so he treats her as a child who might burn her hand on the on the hot coffee.
1: Dang, son!
0: <laughs> I mean, this is this is the. Conclusion to a to a path they've been on for quite a while. I think
1: little girl Keiko must be so bummed that she's not hanging out with Ro and Gaien, who are like drawing pictures and jumping on the bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, like how cool is it to be single right now? Yeah, like probably pretty great compared to this. <laughs> like, do they? They can't show this, but uh, like, do they sleep in the same bed? <sighs> Jesus. And I'm not saying that in a sexual way. I'm saying like it like where does she sleep? Well, it also like that's got to be very hurtful.
1: I mean, like it also is one of these like it's one of these things that kind of defies our understanding of like what an adult mind is. Like sexuality is part of an adult's brain and like what they think about. And so like if if their brains are 100% the same, that's got to be like such a horror show, right? like to be yeah. to be Ro and to like have a mental image of yourself as like a totally attractive like young person who could definitely get some if you wanted, and
0: who has nailed right yeah.
1: over and over again, and then you look in the mirror and you are a child.
0: Rose's youthful counterpart appears to be the youngest looking of all of them.
1: I felt like she was pretty you well know. cast. Maybe it's just the loaf like <laughs> makes her look more like Row. But uh, yeah, the Row and the Guinan ones. Uh, I mean, like from a look standpoint, are pretty good. It seems like maybe yeah. they replaced the voice on the Guinan one to make her sound good too.
0: I thought the same thing, and I, you know, occasionally the show notes will have like. Yeah. yeah, this was like a season one episode, that one guy who was in charge of that town that like brought a water system into it. You're
1: talking about the Ensigns of Command, the uh, episode where Data nukes the water supply.
0: Right, how they had to ADR that guy's entire dialogue. It felt like they did the same thing to young Guinan, but I couldn't find any, uh, any evidence of that. I mean, it clearly was not a sink right. for most of no, it. No, yeah, it's definitely looped in. Uh, who knows if it's the same kid or not. I mean, she was great. The row was great. I think in descending order, uh, the Keiko was, was third grade, maybe.
1: <laughs> well, that's uh, not not necessarily the actress, but the material that she was given almost certainly.
0: I completely agree. Like, this is not on them. Once again, the show really loads up some young actors with with maybe... <laughs> Stuff that that doesn't really give him a chance to succeed. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I guess we should also talk about the scene where Troy like comes and does some counselor with Picard, and he's like he's like trying on the action jacket, and it's like dad's, dad's suit suit jacket kind of thing.
0: This is fucking crazy. This is the next day. They've decided that, like, the doctor is going to medically look into the situation, you know, see if it's reversible or whatever. And young Picard's, like, making plans for the rest of his life. Like, he seems like he's pretty much resolved to to choose a new life because he can't be Captain Potter.
1: Do you think that they wouldn't,
0: you wouldn't have those thoughts, though? immediately i feel like i think my first and primary thought would be i wouldn't want to leave sickbay like i would want to subject myself to all the tests and do whatever it took to get back to normal like i would not be ready to give that up after a day
1: i just think that like he's not on duty he has a lot of downtime and that's a lot of like looking into your own thoughts whether or not you're in six bay i mean
0: I'd be world's youngest Dixon Hill at this point. Like, I'd, be, I'd be in the holodeck. The one place where it's okay for a 12-year-old to do weird shit.
1: <laughs> well, the fun and games come to an end when uh, the entrepreneur shows up at this planet where they're going to be doing a rescue. And uh, instead of a rescue, what they find themselves in is uh, an extremely lethargic space battle
0: like two Klingon jalopies (laughs) decloak and start dropping bangers on them big time but because there's two of them And the Enterprise was caught with their pants down. Like, their shields are down, their warp engines are down, like, almost immediately. They are are crippled pretty fast because they're outnumbered. It's
1: just weird because, like, there's, like, a sustained, like, five-second shot of these two birds of prey, like, converging on, on the Entrepreneur, which is just sitting there in space taking hits. And, like, it cuts to the bridge and Riker's like, what's the status of the shields? Uh, What's the status of the phasers? Damage report. What's going on on level 42?
0: God. And it's like, fucker, fire back! (laughs) I felt the same way. Like, this is like. Photons now. You could never say this about Kirk as captain. Kirk returns fire almost immediately, (laughs) just about every time. (laughs) If not first. He doesn't care about loss of life support in the Arboretum or whatever. Like, disable the attackers. Yeah.
1: It's just, I mean, I think it's just bad direction, but... uh,
0: Are you laying this at the foot of Adam Nimoy, the director of the episode?
1: I am partially laying it at Adam Nimoy's feet. I mean, I think that there are a couple of problems with the script, but I don't hate the script. What I hate is the editing. I think that there are a lot of scenes that play for cheese that shouldn't. Because they're kind of—and I, I mean, like, that could be coming from Nimoy. I, I mean, just because he's a Nimoy doesn't mean he gets treated with kid gloves. This is, a, this is an outside-the-pocket podcast. but, um, hmm. But, man, there are so many scenes where, like, cutting out, like, half a beat earlier would have saved it, and they just don't.
0: This is something that we run into with our own podcast. Like, you can really affect the comedy of a moment. By either cutting in an interstitial right away mm-hmm. or, like, waiting that beat before you do. Like, there's a ton of, of comedy choices that you can make retroactively in the edit. Right. That maybe, if you're on set, you just sort of shoot for coverage and then see what happens during the edit. Right, but, but like, and,
1: and, like, something we do on our show is sometimes you find enough pieces to make a joke that didn't actually happen when we recorded. I mean, like, that yeah. doesn't happen that often, but, like... Like, I would say that, like, every ten shows I edit, I, I am able to put in, like, an A-plus joke that didn't actually happen when, when we sat down to record. Because I had, like, something that you said and something that I said that sound really funny together, you know? And this could be a really fun, tight episode. And I think that the where the fun goes away is almost entirely in missing the timing of, of things.
0: I think a major reason for that is because there is the need to cover so much. There are so many characters in so many different places. And as the ship gets boarded, they have to show all of this in such a slapdash way that in order to communicate an idea or a feeling, often it is just a stupid-looking Ferengi looking like he got goosed in the butt before we cut to a different scene. Like, it's just, when that's all you have... I think they wrote themselves into this corner, and I don't know how you you edit or direct your way out of it. Yeah, I think you could do a lot of addition by subtraction. That's for sure. Yeah, like maybe there shouldn't be there shouldn't have been as many rascals. There shouldn't have been as many in the boarding party. Right.
1: I mean, just for example, what if it was only Picard that had this happen to him, and the and the gambit of. Using kids to take the ship back was him, you know, yeah. marshaling the other kids. I mean, maybe that's too much like disaster when he's like stuck yeah. in the turbo lift. But like, just, just, uh, just spitballing here.
0: <laughs> well, what happens if Data is on that shuttle or wharf? Right. Like, what if we swapped in and swapped out some different characters? What's a young Riker like? <laughs>
1: <laughs> young Riker was actually my <laughs> rap name in the uh, in the early aughts.
0: Pretty dope. One, you'll go again.
1: So yeah, like the rest of it is kind of just like uh, like the the Ferengis beam on board. They've like I guess they bought these two Klingon ships, and uh, their idea is that they're going to uh, sell the the entrepreneur on the Romulan market, and it is it's kind of like. Red Dawn in space. After this,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: There's a lot of like the Ferengis walking down a hallway, and they've got a uh, Wolverines spray painted on the on the walls. Um, the
0: Ferengi do not make a good boarding party uh, from a physicality standpoint. <laughs> no. You know, they're just sort of hopping from room to room. <laughs> they're going in in singles and doubles, like they're not they're. For two ships,
1: they beam over like eight people. Yeah, they, they do not beam, beam over enough guys and uh and also like I mean like there's a scene where young young Picard is like, I'm gonna get on the elevator and and the door opens and there's a Ferengi there and he is like he's got like two inches on this Ferengi.
0: I love that young Picard doesn't have any inner monologue. <laughs> I'm going to play the flute. (laughs) No one can make me practice.
1: Yeah, and and there's, there's, like, a bunch of scenes in here that are pretty fun. Like, you know, like their little gambit with the remote control car, like having... Uh, they have this idea of, like, a... a
0: Their contractual tr- obligation to Brian Bonsall <laughs> and the character of Alexander continues. <laughs> God.
1: Do you think Brian Bonsall has, like, compromising pictures of Michael Pillar?
0: That can be the only explanation.
1: <laughs> He's a this small child with an evil secret. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the... Um, the plan is that they uh they distract the Ferengi that is in the the transporter room and then they wind up getting uh, communicator badges on on all these Ferengi and
0: uh, this is after the the Ferengi boarding party has beamed down a bunch of the crew to the planet surface right
1: they're uh, they're like empty sort of the leaving sh- the kids behind mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah and, uh, I think
0: that's an important detail because it sort of forces the kids into the position of taking back the ship, for, where they can't partner with any of the adults. They really have to do it themselves. Yeah,
1: and uh, and it's a good plan. Like it's uh, they they're beaming the, the Ferengi onto the transporter pad behind a force field, and uh, and like one by one they take them down. And uh, it it really does have like the guerrilla warfare scenes in Red Dawn vibes to it.
0: I am I'm totally feeling the Red Dawn vibe in in like theme. But there's something that's just off about it in practice and I'm wondering if it's more than just because of their relative ages. Like these were older teenagers in Red Dawn and they were using lethal force. Oh
1: Adam, I'm not really trying to debate this issue with you. I'm just trying to give you
0: good drops to put in. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if you think I'm going to give this episode any kind of effort, you're mistaken. <laughs>
1: oh, no. You have to try as hard as you can.
0: Patronus. <laughs> Fire con Dios, Adam. <laughs> one, of the, one of the scenes I thought that was pretty funny was uh, Picard trying to use the children's computer. Mm-hmm. And it's totally like uh, like Mr. DNA. They don't use uh, Major Barrett's voice. It's like, hey, it looks like you're trying to see a map of the computer. Press the red button if somebody's predating you. If you're married to an older man who sees you as a 12-year-old girl, hit the blue button. And Picard is just like, I don't like this. I need to make the computer work. And so he stages this tantrum out in the hallway uh, where, a, where a Ferengi captor is. And he takes whatever ego or sense of command. What do you want? I need to see my father. Any sort of adult Adam <laughs> in his brain. I need to see him right now. And completely destroys it. I need to see him now. Just boils it away into a tantrum that this young actor's career might never recover from
1: stop it. you hurt me I want my father I want my father. All right just stop that
0: Got a weird interest of turning his now 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 into a cell phone ring but I think it would just make me angry. So this, this Ferengi is like, Oh my god, shut the fuck up. Fine, I'll take you to your dad. Who is he? Smash cut to the conference room, where uh, Riker's up against his leaning window, and in walks his quote-unquote son, who is just so happy to see him. Dad! I've missed you so much!
1: They, uh, I guess, and I guess, like, he's able to transmit to Riker, like, like, reboot the command codes, but only on the, uh, kitty computer in, in the, uh, in the schoolroom. and, uh, conveniently, the, uh, the, the head Ferengi gives Riker the order to, like, show the computer to one of the lackeys, and, uh, and Riker uses this as, like, a, as like a distraction. So while he is giving like the most boring techno babble to the lackey, he's like surreptitiously keying in the command codes to the other to the other computer.
0: Yeah, Riker's got to do this because the the head Ferengi guys like, "Look, you're going to let us into the computer. We don't have the password. You're going to let us in and you're going to teach us how to use it or we're going to kill all the kids starting with your son, who clearly loves you, and you clearly love him.
1: Yeah. It's like going through customs, and they make you uh, unlock your phone, you know?
0: Right. And Riker's like, fine. <laughs> and he goes through, like, an incredible bout of techno babble.
1: Riker's got to be thinking about letting the daemon kill baby Picard, though, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's subjected Picard to what he thought was lethal force in the past. Yeah. He's gotta be like, man, that chair two. is me if if these Ferengis get it.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a, a pretty good pretty good way to advance his career.
1: Do you recognize this daimon, the the, the top Ferengi?
0: I mean, they uh, they all look alike, don't they, Ben?
1: This uh this guy was the cop in the big Lebowski who like shows him back to his car in the police impound.
0: I'll uh just check with the boys down at the crime lab. They uh, got uh, four more detectives working on the case. The God is working in shifts. <laughs> <laughs> Leads. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Like, there was something about his enunciation that felt very familiar to me in that way. But yeah, that totally did it for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my
1: God. That guy's great.
0: <laughs> I'll never watch this episode again. But uh, <laughs> it, makes, it makes me wish I had known that before watching it. <laughs> I might have appreciated it more. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, they get all the Ferengis stuck in the transporter room. Young Picard walks into the ready room with a dustbuster and says, I believe you're in my
0: chair. <laughs> and the Damon's like, uh, You're going to have to put me in jail in sheeps. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. The Damon's like,
1: Here's your ship back. The uh, side view mirror broke off. And I th- think one of my men used it as a toilet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. The button on the episode is uh, some of the children assembled in the transporter room where they will be transformed back into their older bodies. They've solved the genetic mystery. Like, there is a, there is a deep sea story buried in here where the doctor realizes that... <laughs> But there's some genetic patterns and, uh, you know, missing genomes and rhizomes and and what have (laughs) you. Like They figure out how to beam the MacGuffin out of these kids and make them adult again. Yeah. Picard steps off of the pad, newly bald. (laughs) Rubs a hand over a skull and is like, yeah, I'm back, baby.
1: What if he'd been like, I'm back, baby. I'm back, baby.
0: We've uh, we're losing all of our British viewership. <laughs> yeah, They're was, gone after this.
1: I was hoping to take a uh, take a tour and, and uh, hit London at some point in the future, but we may have uh, we may have just foreclosed on that as an opportunity. Yeah,
0: yeah. there's so little to joke about in this episode. Felt like we had to we had to kill something precious, mm. like the hope of a tour.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah, weirdly, Ro is not, uh, is not in there and not exactly raring to go because old Guinan heads back to the schoolroom and Ro is in there doing crayons and kind of inhabiting the mentality of the 12-year-old body that she is in. Like, Guinan is talking to her as though she's a child and she's kind of talking as though she's a child. Very weird.
0: This is a variation of a conclusion that we get all the time on this show, which is like, the consequence of this could be really terrible for a certain sort of personality. And, you know, there's a sweetness about this scene where Ro wants to hang on a little longer to her youth, a youth that the first time through was pretty terrible in a lot of ways. But Mm -hmm. they never play it for dark. In a way that it could be. Like yeah. Ro is a very dark character with a super dark past. And instead it's it's a little twinkly toward the end. And by the time the episode's over, you know, you're confident she's gonna have her time as a kid and then she's gonna be an adult again. And then all four of these people are never going to mention it again. <laughs> like, like they're gonna get over it. But it would be interesting if, you know, notes of this were carried through. Right. Because, like, I, I think we're both in agreement here, like, the way that you grow a character in many ways is to damage it. It doesn't always have
1: to be damaged, but but the character has to go through, through things that are hard, that change Right.
0: Them. Yes. Maybe maybe damage isn't the right word, and instead challenge is. But.
1: Yeah, like, I, I really, uh, I think that, like, the damage the character Thing is something that I'm really tired of in contemporary television. Mm. I just started watching The Expanse. Oh yeah, and I've uh, heard that's really really good. Uh, yeah, I've only watched like two episodes of it, and I read the first novel, and I really enjoyed the novel. And there's like a there's like an inciting incident in the in the first season of the show where the main character makes a decision that is like definitely setting him up for like it being revealed that he kind of betrayed everybody that he works with mm-hmm. later on. And it's not from the book, like in the book, like they're all just going and doing the right thing. And in that way, it's a very Star trek uh, inciting incident. And in the, in the TV show, like it has, like the character has to have that damage. Like they have to plant things in characters now where it can have dramatic explosions later and i'm not uh i'm not like you know writing off the entire tv show and i uh have really enjoyed the first two episodes so far but uh i'm a little tired of that being the default in uh in character arcs these days
0: well it sure seems to be the default in like origin stories yeah and i agree with you in it, on many parts of what you just said but like in this instance like it's, yeah I think it's okay for stuff to happen in a series to have effects down line i agree i'm just and i think just i'm just saying, saying it's kind of like show.
1: it's a pendulum swing you know like this yeah. this uh this show sort of is the yeah. is the high side of the other uh other side of the swing
0: yeah did
1: you like this episode ben i did like the episode adam Hmm. Um, I think it's very imperfect in a number of ways that we have uh, elucidated here, but um, I think it's ultimately like an a, a worthwhile experiment, and there's enough fun in it that, uh, that I enjoyed watching it. How about yourself?
0: Uh, the hole slash holes in the plot were just so big that I couldn't get over them. Like, these were the stupidest hijackers in maybe definitely in star trek history but maybe in television history like what was their plan like their plan was to take over the enterprise check beam the crew down to the planet to mine for this valuable ore check but i guess retaining control of the enterprise was not among their goals (laughs) like the idea that the idea that that the kids get the jump on them and then lock up the eight people in their boarding party is one thing, but how can they not be in communication with their counterparts in the Klingon ships? And as soon as they they take control of the Enterprise again, why aren't the Klingon ships firing on them again? Because <laughs> because Jordy says early on it's going to take hours to get the shields and the warp drive and the weapons working again. Like... This is still a crippled ship yeah. that for some reason they aren't able to retake because of their stupid A-plan. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that, it just drove me nuts. It made me wish that we got an episode where the hijackers were competent and scary because we could have gotten a crew turned into kids story and also a very scary threat. But we can't have kids and a scary threat in the same episode. That would be too much.
1: Well, Adam, do you want to see if there's uh, some, some P-1s to take your mind off of your troubles?
0: You, you're trying to cool <laughs> me off a little bit? Yeah. All right.
1: I know that P-1s always make your day, so...
0: Yeah, they do. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message comes from Jamie is for sarah the better half of team badass robot the message goes like this congratulations on your graduation i'm more than proud of you and what you have accomplished here's to our continuing adventures and many great away missions yet to come and thanks for telling me about this great podcast for this old enterprise <laughs> oh
1: that's great congrats sarah
0: If only we had known that would become such a thing, like, that would have been a great show title.
1: Yeah. I don't think we thought of that until about 50 or 60 episodes into the show, though.
0: Yeah, it took a long time to find that bit. Pretty glad we did, though. Yeah. Wow, it is graduation time, isn't it, Ben?
1: I want to think of all the bits! Why can't I think of the bits before I make my podcast? (laughs) That's a great show title!
0: But I can think of a better one. How <laughs> about this old Enterprise?
1: Oh, you got you're dusting a little Kevin in there. Yeah, that's creepy, man. Yeah, I'm a yeah. man of special conscience. I killed them all,
0: <laughs> all the <who> snuck. everywhere.
1: <laughs>
0: There's no punishment to fit my crime. <laughs> I love Rashan. <laughs> she makes the best tea Please Read the next P1, Ben
1: Next, uh, priority one message Is a personal message From D-Halps To J-Mac And it, uh, it goes like this, Adam A Klingon walks into a bar And orders a bowl of gach <laughs> Pouring him some blood wine The bartender sees the Klingon's Been stabbed with a batleth pinning the steering wheel from a bird of prey to his abdomen. Uh, the bartender asks, what's with the wheel? (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha ha. It's driving me nuts! Happy birthday, old friend. May you die well.
0: I want to do the Ahura laugh from Star Trek VI. You know, and she's doing the... Oh, oh, ha, oh,
1: oh, ha, oh. ha, 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 <laughs> <laughs> ha. Oh, man. What a delight. That is fun. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce any Klingon thing. <laughs> I like hearing you try. I feel like there's a correct way to write Klingon, but maybe maybe when you send in a P1, give a little pronunciation guide.
0: Oh, yeah, let's go, let's go phonetical. Write it out phonetic, this. yeah. <laughs> yeah. well uh, phonetical or not uh, you can participate in this P1 experiment by going to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron where personal messages are $100 commercial messages are $200 and they most definitely help in the ongoing production of our program thanks guys Ben what's that Adam I'm afraid to ask, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Drunk Shimoda!
1: Shimoda. (laughs) I did. Um, Ben,
0: we were told that we didn't use the drop on a recent episode. Really? Yeah. No Shimoda drop. Do you think that's true? I feel like we're pretty good at using the drop.
1: I've definitely forgotten a couple of times, but I feel like you usually catch it when I do.
0: Yeah, maybe I just didn't. Maybe that's bad QA.
1: Maybe that's it. Could be my fault. Could be your fault. Either way, oh my god! I hope that people f- will forgive us. Um, my Shimoda in this episode was the Ferengi who got stuck on watching the transporter room duty. <laughs> um, they uh, they drive that that uh, remote control car in there, and and then he like winds up kind of chasing it down the the corridor and grabbing it, and when he takes it back to the to the transporter room, he sets it on the floor and then, like, crouches over it, brings his eyes within inches of it to inspect it. It's such a weird choice.
0: It's like a choice made for composition instead of story. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good reason.
1: Like, I don't want to bag on uh, young Mr. Nimoy. I think this is his, his directorial debut on the show, but, uh, what the fuck is that about, (laughs)
0: As if there was any question About whose pocket we are or are not in (laughs) What the fuck was that about Is about as clear of a statement (laughs) Uh, Adam, did you have a Shimoda? I do I mean, the cop-out would just be To give the Shimoda to the episode And to all those responsible But I'm not going to do that I'm going to keep it in the story I feel like Data, at times, has got to feel like the gifted kid in the beginner's class.
1: Mm, I know the feeling, so, Adam.
0: <laughs> so frustrated with, with who's with him. And when the ship is getting taken over, that's got to be one of those moments. We talked about it earlier. Like, yeah. how long does it take to return fire? So long. How long does it take to, uh, to return fire on the boarding party on the bridge? Right, because it's just a,
1: two guys in their fucking pajamas that show up on the bridge. Like, Worf should Worf should be good enough to to take those two guys out very quickly.
0: That's what I'm saying. Not only should Worf be fast enough on the draw, but... Well, one of the boarding party materializes right next to Data. Yeah. Data could have, with his super fast reflexes, reached out and grabbed the guy's ears, ripped them off... <laughs> And torn off both of his arms and flung them across the bridge. Yeah, and beat the, the other one took... to
1: death with. <laughs> yeah, with those in the arms. time
0: it takes for Worf to do that, to in the in the slow time it takes for Worf to fire across the bridge, like downrange.
1: Right, like miss them and then and then get hit. Like, like has got the high ground and very badly misses and also takes a yeah. hit. Yeah.
0: It makes me wonder if Data has been compromised by spending so much time with the humans. Like, he's just slow and maybe bored, (laughs) but also, like, this is in keeping with how much we know he wants to die. Like, he allows himself to be taken prisoner. He joins a party that gets beamed down to the surface more or less wordlessly. Like, of all the superpowers that they. Show data having, they never show his super speed other than as a typist. Mm-hmm. But you know, if he's a fast typer, if he's got that Mavis Beacon speed, <laughs> then he should be able to Mavis Beacon the shit out of someone. Yeah, and incapacitate them. So I'm going to give my Shimoda to Data. Long story short, for I guess going along with it. Yeah, the whole thing
1: failing to tie all the guns into pretzels.
0: Yeah. Darmok. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
0: Then I hesitate to ask, but do we have a better episode coming up next time?
1: Our next episode is Season 6, Episode 8, A Fistful of Data's. A holodeck fantasy goes awry, sending Worf and his son into a Wild West showdown with a villain who's a dead ringer for Data. Do you remember this episode, Adam?
0: If I still had a veto, I would veto this episode. (laughs) Yeah, this (laughs) uh,
1: this would have been a smarter one to save your veto for.
0: Yes, I remember this episode, Ben.
1: You're not excited to watch it?
0: Not at all. I think, <laughs> you know what, there there were terrible clunkers in the first couple of seasons. There have been clunkers sprinkled about this entire series. Man, I don't know if there have been two in a row quite like this. <laughs> you know?
1: Uh, need I remind you that we're not that far removed from Time's Arrow parts one and two, Adam.
0: Yeah, but they used a summer to break those up. We get these back-to-back. Can you imagine dabbling in Star Trek The Next Generation starting in the middle of season six? You know what? I've heard about this Star Trek The Next Generation show. I think it might be time to give it a try. And the first episode you see is is fucking, I'm Captain Picard! And the second episode is, is a Worf-Alexander Wild West showdown. I don't know if I like this show. It's a show that doesn't want to be Star Trek anymore. That's what it's going through right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's having uh it's, it's casting about in a lot of directions.
0: I know the feeling.
1: Well, uh, that's our next episode, whether we like it or not, Adam.
0: Hmm. Indeed. Well, one thing we do like a lot is the continuing support from our viewers both their support and their willingness to converse and at sometimes forgive <laughs> has made apparent uh, through their conversations with us online uh, we've got the Reddit and the Facebook and the Twitter all are great ways to talk about us on the show
1: Yeah, um, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia who makes a lot of the other music you hear on the show we should uh, thank the great folks at MaximumFun.org for all their support
0: I feel like I've turned into a real, like, cannibal, the musical, audio commentary track. I do feel pretty buzzed from this whiskey right now. <laughs> we should choose an episode into the future that we know we can't veto and just get shithoused for it.
1: <laughs> uh, well, they're, they're all really good after this, so it's hard, to, it's hard to sign off on that.
0: Well, should this be the one? <laughs> the fistful of data's?
1: Oh, that's kind of tempting Oof. Let's think about it Let's, uh, let's ponder it, Adam Well, uh, one way or another We will be <laughs> back at you next time With another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation And an episode of The Greatest Generation That is going to uh, Stumble into work drunk the next day <laughs>